1: Justin, don't you love having a clean set of balls? Do we mean footballs? No, I mean my testicles. Justin, when I used to trim Little Ryan, it was a risky job. My shaver would often cut me, and so the whole experience was rather unpleasant. Is it similar for you? Yeah, I know what you mean. It's usually quite uncomfortable. Well, it doesn't have to be this way, because Manscaped have now launched in the UK. They are the Ball Shaving Specialists. I've had a go on one of their trimmers, and it is a dream. It's designed specifically with your balls in mind. That means less accidents and a much smoother shave. Also, it's waterproof so you can use it in the shower and it's got an LED light so you can see what you're doing. Justin, let me tell you, it's a life changer. That sounds amazing. Where can I get one? I'm glad you asked. Go to manscaped.com and because you're a listener of this superb podcast, you can get 20% off plus free shipping if you use the code Tier. That's one word. So that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code SECONDTIER. Manscaped, your balls will thank you. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the second tier podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by the lockdown two to my lockdown one. It's Justin Peach. Good afternoon, Justin. How's it going?
2: It is good. Been a, been a weird one this week weekend. You know, shaved for the first time in six years, ready for ready for November. But yeah, a bit traumatic.
1: And the best thing is no one's going to see you with your shaven face because we're all going back into lockdown. Exactly. So it's all right, isn't it? Obviously, that is for November. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, but we'll start off by introducing our guest. We're joined on the show today by Dan Futch from the Sheffield Wednesday podcast. The Wednesday week. Dan, how's it going? Well, uh, you know, out, outside of football, also terrible. So, uh, you know, <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know I'm, I'm bored of Boris. I'm bored of Gary Monk. I mean, take your pick. It's, uh, you know, I'm just having a crap
1: week. Yeah, we've got loads of sympathy for you uh we're also joined by charlie wise from the qpr youtube channel talking rangers charlie how are you
4: i'm very well thank you i uh, just about as well you can be but saying that we just beat cardiff which was an absolute shock so um yeah still kind of enjoying that one let that one kind of sink in as i definitely did not see that one coming
1: yeah, we'll get on to that game in just a sec. We'll start off with uh, your game, Dan, because Wednesday we're the first side to lose to Wickham Wanderers this season uh, for losing 1 0. Uh, Dan, what did you make of this game? Well, I
3: think we are the first team to lose to Wickham in the Championship ever. So, uh, yeah. so that's nice. You know what I mean? We're in the record book somewhere. Um, I think it's, uh, it, it's been truly one of the worst times to be a Sheffield Wednesday fan at the minute. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, anger is getting directed towards the chairman and, and especially Gary Monk as well. The um, the main reason being is that the last three fixtures are what you'd refer to as potential easy wins. So, for example, we played Rotherham, we got spanked 3-0. We played uh, Wickham like at the weekend, we got beat 1-0. Um, before that, we played Luton and lost 1-0. So not only have we come up against Lesser opposition, no disrespect, um, or what would be perceived as less opposition. We've got, we've lost all three and not scored one goal. So um, you know, for, uh, today, today specifically is the first day of. I'm joining the Monk out bus. I'm on it. Wow. I, you know, I've been, I've been trying to sing his praises. I thought during the summer, um, when we made the signings, we did. Izzy Brown is a great signing. Um, you know, che-, che Dunkley is a, a great signing. You know, we, we've had some we really good recruitment, but for some reason it's just not gelling. And I've decided it's because Gary Monk has the personality of a potato. <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, aside
1: from his personality and in terms of uh, the actual results, uh, the, the pressure on Monk at the moment is immense, isn't it? How much longer do you reckon he's got?
3: Well, this, this is it. It's, it's starting to turn into what you'd refer to as that type of Steve Keane figure. I don't even remember when, when Venkis mm. were at Blackburn and, and Steve Keane had a stay of execution for months and months and years, didn't he? I, and, and I think it just seems to be like that. Um, I don't know what he has to do to get fired. I, you, know, you know what I mean? We've lost to sort of the three potentially worst teams in the league and he's still... still uh, getting a wage I, I genuinely don't understand it I, I I don't know what he has to do to get fired now it's um it's starting to great. and the rumblings around Hills. But because we had a decent start you know we had we were doing okay we we, we were finished off to the season on minus 12 because we were cheating and um and we thought <laughs> uh, and the way we were playing we were going to eat that alive and then we seem to have got to this minus four mark and just decided we don't know how to play football anymore I'm still trying to get over the potato comment. Um, oh, it, 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 honestly, he <laughs> is a potato with the haircut of a year eight disco kid in a, you know, those flame shirts. Yes, <laughs> You know what I mean? Yes.
1: I know exactly um, what you mean. Well,
3: I mean, what is that haircut? He's a grown ass man. He's 42 years old.
1: <laughs> oh, jeez. Um... What was I going to ask? Oh, yeah. monkey in general, are you surprised that after how badly everything went wrong in the second half of last season, are you surprised that he managed to survive that period?
3: I, I am, actually. The, the last game I went to before lockdown, it was turned out to be our last game. We got absolutely torn apart by Brentford. It was a spineless, awful display and we got beat 5-0. And I remember, I think the fourth one went in and I remember going, well, that's me. See you, lads. And I just got on the train and left. And I thought, I'm, honestly, I've got better things to spend my money on. And then when the lockdown, when the season recommenced after lockdown, there was um, there was a couple of results that we picked up. We beat Bristol City. Um, and I thought, oh, wow, okay. It's starting to coheze. And uh, and then we, we limped through the last part of the season. Then we got slapped with a 12-point deduction, which, you know, wasn't Monk's fault. And then the recruitment that we had in the summer, I thought, OK, it, it, you know, he's still a, a football manager. The Birmingham fans really like him. Let's give him another crack of the whip. Let's give him a go. And then we took points off Cardiff in the first day of the season. I thought, well, this is it. You know what I mean? He's signed his own players. Here we go, lads. Away, away we go, kids. And um, and it's fallen to piss and shit since.
1: It has indeed. Um, Dan, Justin on the show a few weeks ago said um, he thought that if it wasn't for the points deduction, Chef Wednesday would be playoff contenders this season. Ooh. How much do you reckon he drank at the time?
3: Well, yeah, you know, uh, I'm just going to use this opportunity to interject and to tell you that drugs
1: are bad and uh, and stay off the crack. <laughs> uh, Justin Wickham's first win of the season and the three points has been coming, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, it has. Uh, I'm glad don't have to talk about Wednesday after that comment, but... <laughs> yes, uh, it, it certainly has been coming, and I am delighted for them. Much to Dan's obviously dismay at the the, the defeat, but they deserved it, and they've been on the end of some pretty dodgy decisions uh, this season. You know, look at the Millwall glove pull, the Norwich free kick that branchage scored, penalty claims. You know, they've racked up a long list already, and um, you know, had those decisions gone their way, this win might have come earlier. Um, but the win's no fluke either. You know, they've. They've taken three, 33 shots uh, on goal in the last three games, compared to the twenty-three in the previous three or the three before those three. Um, they've been creating more, more dangerous on breaks, and the threat level has just increased massively. So, it, it's been coming.
1: Unfortunately, Wickham boss Gareth Ainsworth missed this game because he was having back surgery, which is quite sad. But how much? It's a shame he wasn't having
3: as an haircut. Do you know what I mean? If, if, if it's going to be, I mean, who has the worst haircut in football? Is it Gary Monk or Gareth Ainsworth? I quite like Gareth Ainsworth's hair. I like it's Gareth quite, hair as well.
4: Yeah. At least
2: your yeah. manager's got hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: But Justin, how much hope do you give Wickham of staying up now?
2: Maybe more than Wednesday at this point. Um, wow. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, it, it's hard to say, obviously. If they play like this more often, they will pick up more results. They have to be more resilient. They have to be getting wins, well, one goal, one nil wins every now and then. Um, it is going to be a long old season for them, but if they get to January within sight of um, 21st, 22nd place, then, you know, the things will be looking up for them.
1: Yeah. Charlie, I got you on this week because I thought we'd be talking about Mark Warburton being under pressure at QPR, but they beat Cardiff 3-2, which has ruined that. Curse you, Warburton, for delivering results. But what a game this was, Charlie.
4: Yeah, it was... Um... If it was spectacle, I mean the first half we looked we looked pre- we looked pretty good. It was very surprising how well we started. I mean saying that though, the last couple of games we have started very well. We do normally take the take the games the opponent, but we just seem to always lose our way after about 20, 30 minutes. And the other side always, you know, really grows into the game, which Cardiff Cardiff really did do in the second half. But getting two goals from open play was uh, very surprising after going five and a half hours without a goal. Um very, very dreary. Um but the second half kind of summed up QPR's <laughs> kind of recent run, giving away another two penalties. That's five penalties in three games we've given away. It's, oh, I can't even explain how frustrating it is. I mean, the second penalty second penalty we gave away was absolutely ridiculous. I- I'm guessing you've seen it. Yeah. Masterson's just the ball's coming over. The I think it's Kiefer Moore who's um attacking the ball, and he's not really anywhere near well, he's not really close to getting to it, and he just sticks his hand up and he just touches it for just no reason um,
1: it's oh. like a volleyball spike wasn't it <laughs>
4: yeah I don't, I don't even know what he's trying there and then even to look around at the referee and go to pretend that he's not done anything was just beyond oh my god um, yeah just five penalties in three games how can you how can you try, oh I, honestly I can't explain <laughs> i much mean. pain it is just the, the five penalties in three games that's just it really that's the phrase
1: Well, let's stay positive uh, because Dominic Ball scored the winner with an absolute shit-snorter from about 30 yards out in the 91st minute. What was your reaction when that went in?
4: I mean, me and my brother were sitting watching it and my dad at that. The funny thing is, my dad has (laughs) said to us, um, when he came on, Don Ball never scores. Why has he brought him on? He scored one goal for us. (laughs) And my dad's walked out in the 91st minute and I think he's gone to the toilet or something. And me and brother have gone absolutely mental. He's run back in. um, Just a complete dismay that somehow... You know, we've gone from not scoring in five and five and a half hours of football to scoring three, all from open play. I mean, Don Ball, on his weaker foot as well, um, you couldn't write it. If you just said one man in that starting lineup that
1: wouldn't score, it would be Don Ball. But
5: <laughs>
4: yeah, absolutely magical moment for him, one that it would be cherishing for the rest of his career. Um, fantastic win.
1: This win has eased the pressure on Warburton, but would a loss to Derby in midweek, would that pal it back on?
4: I think it would. I think. At the end of the day, it's um it's a it's a temporary fix, um, that sort of victory. Like I say, giving away two two sloppy penalties again. And um, you know, that's ninety-nine goals you can see under to now. It's only seven wins in thirty-one games. I mean, he's got a 385 percent win percentage. That's less than Steve McLaren two seasons ago. Um, so I just want to
3: interject on that stat there. Uh Gary Monk has got six wins in thirty two. So he's better than Gary Monk. I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't know if you know if, if that's an achievement. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's uh, he's one not as shit as
4: Gary Monk. He's one he's louder, epic <laughs> loud. Silver lining, but it still doesn't really fill me with too much confidence. But I mean, then you know you keep on going back to some of the players we lost last season. Um, I mean, he's done some good business. We've we've kind of balanced out our side. I mean, we had Wells, Eze and Hugo, which is forty fifty goals there last year. And we've lost, you know, we lost one. nearly thirty million pounds worth of players there. Mm. You know, we spent a couple of. I mean, how can you expect to, you know, really push on? Like I say, losing thirty million pounds worth of players, signing two strikers, you know, four million between them. You can't really expect to to be really kicking on there. But we've got a much more balanced side this year. You know, we brought in Chris. Uh, not Chris Dickey. Sorry, we brought in Dickey, who's looked really assured um, and a really good addition at the back. And I think De Yang has been a fantastic. Introduction to our side because last year Lumley and Kelly were so subpar and shipped so many goals that um, cost us in so many games. So yeah, to have the Yang and Dicky, it's really tightened us up at the back. Um, like I say, a more well-balanced side. Um, you know, you brought in Carroll, Adoma, which is a good signing, Chris Willick. So yeah, it, we need some. We need a more well-rounded team. So you know, I'm not sure how much longer Warburton will be at the club. There is a lot of pressure on his back. But I mean, I ran a poll the other day and it was still coming back fairly even as the world was in and out. But um, yeah, he's got to really kick on now. And I'd like to say, I think a defeat against Derby, the the pressure is back on him. So um, he's got to try and string some
2: results back together.
1: Yeah. Just quickly on Cardiff, Justin, no wins in four for them now. Uh, Concern is growing in the Welsh capital. How concerned are you?
2: I think I'm starting to look more concerned now. Um, they look so weak defensively. The first goal, Chair was free at the back post. Second goal came as free from Chair's cross. It's not the team we saw in the final weeks of last season. You know, they've gone behind again um, yesterday, which is the sixth time in nine games they've gone behind. It's not just a back four issue. For me, the midfield has lacked a lot of bite recently um, and the goals against QPR showed that. Volks was done by Chair. Good skill, but Ray, he was quite flat-footed. Um, oh, Bolt was, oh, come, and, on, uh, that, come on, that was class. That was class. It, it was, it was class. <laughs> but it, it could have been avoided. And, and um, with with Dominic Ball's goal as well, um, Pack was really flat-footed for the second ball, which allowed Don Ball the space to to hit it. It's not good enough for a side who are one of the more of a one of the more significant spenders in the league.
1: Yeah, there seems to be a lot of optimism from Cardiff fans about how good they'll be when Lee Tomlin and Harry Wilson are fully fit. Tomlin was on the bench here and Wilson not included, but he should be back soon. Dan and Charlie, thanks for now. We'll come back to you both a bit later on when we play Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. But for now, me and Justin are flying around the grounds and we shall start off with one of the shocks of the fi- of the season so far as out of form Coventry beat top of the table Reading 3-2. Joining us once again from the Coventry podcast, Neil Amptey, is Jerry Crone. Jerry, did you see this result coming?
6: Uh, funnily enough, one of the guys on our podcast did sort of call it. Um, from a tactical standpoint, they're much more the sort of team that we wanted to play. They didn't push our back line very hard. They hadn't got a terribly high tempo which is what we have sort of, over the last year or so, liked playing against. But obviously their immense quality and brilliant start didn't go in our favour. But ultimately, yeah, we were all good.
1: Yeah, I put this result down to a Mark Robbins masterclass. Would you agree with that?
6: I think uh, if I was to be a bit churlish, I would say that if you were going to put this down to be a Mark Robbins masterclass, you'd have to put most of the terrible results we've had recently down to Mark Robbins' um, horror shows. I think the truth is somewhere slightly in between. He did change things ever so slightly. He put Max Biameau up front, who was playing in non-league a couple of years ago or three years ago. Um, He helped the ball stick up front a little bit better, which had been a problem of ours over the last few games. So you've got to give him credit for that. Biameau didn't have an incredible game, but ultimately the sort of tactical shift did help us significantly. Um, The biggest thing in terms of... the the impact of the game was world-class hatchet man Gustavo Hammer returning to the side and causing the kind of physical violence havoc that we've really missed from him since he was um, well suspended for violent conduct obviously.
1: Yeah Hammer's quickly becoming one of my favourite players in the championship because despite him being quite clearly a very talented player he also looks like he's going to get sent off in every game but it's exciting to watch isn't it?
6: I described him on Friday night as playing like he was playing five a side in a Uruguayan prison. He's just, he's a lunatic and it's underpinned by the fact that he's brilliant. So actually his dynamism and mobility in midfield and the sort of no pun intended stamp that he puts on a game is massive. So he's able to tie the sort of the two lots of midfielders that we play the sort of the two more defensive and the two more attacking he ties them together he links everything together nicely but he's such a character on the pitch that it's a shame that we're only going to get to see him play maybe nine games this season because he'll be suspended for the rest of them
1: I don't have much experience in a Eurogrine prison, but I'll take your word for it, Joey. Just finally, you have had a fairly poor run of results recently, just two wins so far this season, but are you confident you'll be able to use this as a springboard for better things?
6: I think I might have said last time, uh, when we did this, that it's going to be the next sort of six games that will tell everything. Two of those have gone. One of them was a kind of quite a dismal performance against very plain looking Middlesbrough side. Then, actually it wasn't that dismal in a performance, but we did just we did throw it away right at the end when we didn't need to. Then a very good performance against the best team in the division obviously gives us hope. Really, it's three of the next four that are the real ones. We've got Watford in that run, but I expect that that's gonna be difficult, so not much to read into that. But Nottingham Forest, Birmingham and Cardiff are three teams that you'd hope you would get at least a win and a draw maybe. I mean, if you've got any hope of staying in the division, you'd expect that a win in a draw would be totally necessary from that I would say if we don't win any of those three we might be looking at a very long difficult season
1: cheers Jerry that is Jerry Crone from the Knee Lampty podcast Justin even though I've been criticizing Reading recently I didn't expect to see this result
2: it was um yeah it was one of those that just comes out of the blue but I think when you when you watch the game back you, you know all the things that Reading have been good at they they didn't do, and the things that they haven't been so good at, they did. So they conceded a lot of space with shots. You know that that final goal that Raphael went through, straight through his hands. That happened. That wouldn't have happened a couple of weeks or or in the week because they're restricting teams um, restricting team space and shots. Um, and then they created a lot more chances than they have done in previous weeks. So yeah, a bit of a weird one, but you know I think it gives them a lot of a lot of points to sort of draw back on than it would have had they won a, another game.
1: Yeah, it was actually really poor from Raphael for two of the goals, was it? The yeah. second one, he parried straight into the path of Matt Gordon, was it? Mm-hmm. And then um, the third one, the winner... I have no idea what I was doing. Went straight he's, through. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was straight down the middle of the goal and he's just parried it into the net. It was really poor for him, considering he's one of the best goalkeepers in the league as well, really. Uh, but whether Coventry continue to improve in the next couple of games before the international break, we'll have to wait and see. As Jerry mentioned just a second ago, having Gustavo Hammer back is massive for them. Yep. Um, I've had loads of people tweeting me, saying I must be very smug after predicting Reading's downfall, but I'm not because it is just one loss. And I think Reading fans have got to remember that it's the following games which are more important now for Pornovich's side, how they respond to a poor result like this and whether they let it get to them. As previously mentioned, they have got tricky games coming up in in November, starting off at Preston in midweek. Unfortunately for them, Preston aren't at home. So that's not (laughs) ideal to start with. Uh, Another shock from this weekend came in the game at Oakwell as Watford lost 1-0 to Barnsley. Ben Aiton is from the Watford podcast, Voices of the Vic. Not a great result for the Hornets, Ben.
7: Yeah, it wasn't great. Um, Not not a good performance again from us. Uh, We struggled against Wickham um, Tuesday night with a 1-1 draw and then went to Barnsley looking for a reaction. But unfortunately, no reaction from us again. Um, Very slow, um, getting overrun in midfield. Um, Barnsley caught us out with a high press Wilmot um, misplayed the pass to Kapu. Kapu was a bit too slow to react and Alex Murat did what Alex Murrit does best, just stuck it in the top corner. And after that, Barnsley put everyone behind the ball pretty much and we just struggled to break them down. Um, we had a few half chances, but that's another game that's gone by where we've not had a shot on target.
1: We said on the show in midweek that the players have got to take the blame here because there's some big names in this Watford squad. But I've seen quite a few Watford fans saying Ivic is to blame. Which side of the fence are you on?
7: Yeah, I've seen the same. I've seen a lot of people put blame on Ivic, um, but I'm not having that. I I do think the players need to step up. Um, Some Premier League players that have came down, they've just not performed. Um, Chalabar's been bang average this season. Kapoo, he's still getting fully fit. Um, Cleverly, he's got work rate, but it doesn't really offer much creativity. I think once we change our formation, um, if it's Preferred formation is 4-3-3 but he's reluctant to play it until we actually get a left-back in um, so we're actually looking at the free agent market at the moment the other option is, is Adam Messina who was our left-back last season but he's out injured to J- January so I think once we've got some more first-team players back we, we're going to improve going forward but until then I think it's we're going to stick to this 3-5-2 and we're just lacking the creativity going forward and we haven't got that recognised number nine striker at the moment either
1: I know it's still quite early on in the season, Ben, but is a promotion push still on the cards or has these past few results um, shown what you're lacking this season?
7: Yeah, no, it's definitely on the cards still. Um, look, we're only nine games into the season, aren't we? And um, the championship's a long old slog. It's it's a hard division to get out of, but I honestly feel like we've got enough to finish in the top six and look for promotion this season um, we just need to sort out our waveform form um, we're unbeaten at home at Vickers Road still we've got two back-to-back games coming up now against Stoke on Wednesday and then Coventry City on Saturday both at home I think we can pick up results in those games it's just sorting out that away form and i i think we can do that i think once we've got the likes of andre gray starting games troy deeney back parisio back we're going to have that firepower which is actually going to win games because at the moment we, we, we've lost to Barnsley by one goal to nil we had a lot of possession um we was getting into final third, but just not really having that poacher in the six-yard box. So I I fully expect once we've got that striker in the six-yard box, we're going to be putting these chances away. And that's when we're going to be turning these 1-0 uh, defeats or 1-1 one, one draws into 2-3-1 victories.
1: Cheers, Ben. That is Ben from Voices of the Vic. Yeah, a couple of concerning results and performances from Watford, Justin.
2: Starting to dip, aren't they? And it's, they're, they're making me a little bit nervous. You know they don't score many, which we, which we know that 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 game um, a couple of weeks ago where they put three, put three in seems a bit of a a blip in mm. a good way, obviously. Um, but you know, they went behind here and it they didn't get back into the game. It's The same against Reading a few weeks ago. Have they got enough in their in their team to to get back into games to go goal down? I'm not sure. They still got Deeney, Will Hughes, and Andre Gray to come back, so that might change things up a bit. Uh, a bit, but I'm just I'm just not sure when they go behind.
1: Yeah, they've got. They've got loads of talent in this squad, haven't they? Mm. They really have. It's just about getting the most out of them and that's Ivich's real problem at the moment. Uh, But full credit to Valerie Ishmael and Barnsley, though. Alex Mauer's goal here, he's managed to get two goal-of-the-season contenders in the space of a few days, but he's got a wand of a left foot, hasn't he?
2: He has, and it's just going to be a showreel at the end of the season for his goals, isn't it? I mean, I am surprised that nobody came in. You know, I think had COVID not happened think Woodrow and Mal would have had bids come in, sizable bids come in, because they're two very good players who should be playing for team competing in a top six because they have the ability. But then again, we've said under Struber, Barnsley had that potential to get there. Whether or not they get there under Ishmael is, a, is another thing. But more games like this, they're unbeaten in five now, which is a good run of form. And um, they're, they're, keeping, you know, they're keeping teams out. They're doing a lot better. Uh, and under Ishmael, they can get a bit of form going to get out of the relegation battle that they might have been in a few weeks ago.
1: Yeah, I think Ishmael is doing the job we expected Struber to do really, isn't he? Because we thought Barnsley could be mid-table this season with Struber in charge, but Ishmael has taken over and it's been a very impressive start. Just quickly on Mauer who you mentioned a second ago, I think he's out of contract at the end of the season so he might have very well attract a bit of interest there um, but yeah Barnsley got Cardiff and Derby up next before the international break two very winnable games it's got to be said mm. Preston won Birmingham two Preston lose at home again the only side in the EFL not to have a point at home this season joining us now from the Preston podcast from the Finney is Jimmy Atkinson Jimmy we'll start off with the positives what a fucking goal from Jaden Stockley <laughs>
8: hi chaps hope you're all keeping well and um... Yeah, some strike by the big fella yesterday. Um, After not scoring in our first four games of the season, it was some way to get off the mark. Um, Shame we didn't really follow it up later on in the first half and in the second half. and Ultimately, succumbing to our fifth defeat in a row in the league at home, which is a little bit concerning now.
1: Yeah, the contrast between the home and away form for Preston this season is just bizarre. Can you offer any explanation why their home form has been so
8: bad? I think, to be honest with you, the teams that are coming to Deepdale have got a really solid defensive structure. You look at Birmingham yesterday, very difficult to break down, Millwall the same, um, made us play in our half of the pitch, playing quite a a high screen. So teams are coming to Deepdale with a plan and we're just lacking that little bit of creativity, which is probably amplified by the fact that we've only made two signings in the past 12 months in Emil Rees, um, a 22-year-old from Denmark. and Scott Sinclair last January, um, who probably still hasn't hit the heights that we might have expected so far. So I think it's a mix of the teams we've played as well. I'd expect four of the five teams that we've played at home to finish in and around the top six. I think you've got to look at the opposition that we have faced and then you look at it and contrast it with our away form and it's chalk and cheese, you know, going to places like Brentford and getting a 4-2 win. It seems to be that when teams come at us, We seem to be able to pick them off a little bit easier, but when teams are coming to Deepdale, they're sitting in.
1: And finally, is Alex Neal under pressure? I've seen a few Preston fans not particularly happy with the start to this season.
8: It's tough to say, to be honest. Um, For me, I think if you've lost five home games in a row, then you're going to feel some sort of pressure. Overall, over the past 20 games, we're picking up, on average, only a point a game, which I think... That puts a pressure on us in itself. We've not really hit the heights that we had at the start of last season since lockdown. Um, I think I've worked out today about the 16th or 17th best team in the league since lockdown commenced in terms of points per game. So, is you under pressure? I think we'll know more after these next two games. Um, if we don't pick up points away at Reading and Rotherham this week, stranger things have happened in football and I really like the manager. Uh, I think he's it's been a breath of fresh air since it's arrived. The football has been generally good. However, if you can't get results, then it might be the time for a change.
1: Cheers, Jimmy. That's Jimmy from the Finney podcast. Um Justin, do you think Alex Neal is under pressure?
2: Yeah, I I think he is, but I said it in the week. I think the I think this team's gonna finish around mid-table. The the results are starting to show that sort of form. They don't have enough in the final third and they're conceding a lot of chances and goals. It's it's not, it's not looking like a team that could finish in the top six at the moment. Um, it, it should be better. They've got a good squad, but unfortunately it's just not quite happening. They dipped last season and that seems to have had an impact this season.
1: Hmm. The thing I'd say is, look, they might get two results from the next two games because they're away for a start, which helps in Preston's case at the moment. But they've got Reading, who I'm sceptical about, and Rotherham, who are relegation candidates. But the thing I'm worried about is, based on how things have gone so far, this looks like it's going to be another season where Preston miss out on the playoffs. And there are at least nine teams who are more likely to finish in the top six than them this season. I think that's fair to say. So the thing I'd be asking is, are Preston progressing at the moment under Alex Neil? And I'd say no. They're just kind of floating in the same position um, that they've been in for the past few seasons now. And I understand that with everything that's been going on with Corona. Maybe gambling and getting getting another manager in isn't the best way forward. But I do wonder if another manager will be able to take this side to the next level. Because it is a talented side as well. Uh, but two wins in two now for Birmingham. Their results before this week were getting a bit concerning. But this is obviously a lot better, isn't it?
2: It's a step in the right direction. Again, <clears throat> it's you know they've scored more in the last two games than they had all season. For example, it's, as I said, it's a step in the right direction. And scoring the first few minutes of the game is, is a sure to boost the confidence for a team that have been pretty lackluster going forward. Um, and as we've mentioned, you know, Birmingham, they're, they're good defensively. So to score more goals, there's no reason why they can't start to climb the table because they are so good defensively or they have been under Carranca. Um, they can be better in, in both ends, but it's certainly a step in the step, step forward for them.
1: In terms of goals conceded, they've been good defensively, but I still think they concede quite a few chances, which is a concern. Yeah, it could be a a lot better. Um, But I'll get into that in a sec. Young Aussie lads, Riley McGree scored on his debut. He's only 21. He's one to keep an eye on. The player I want to highlight is Mikel San Jose, who's come in in these last few games. And I think he could be the dog's bollocks this season, Justin. Because for those who aren't aware of who he is, we're talking about someone who was playing for the Spanish national team four years ago and regularly for Athletic Bill Battle. So he's got great pedigree and it's only been small doses of him that I've seen so far. But boy, oh boy, he looks the real deal. He made five chances on Saturday while playing at centre-back. <laughs> How does that even make sense? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but his experience and quality will be so important to an or Karanka side who rely on defensive stability. Last season, one of their big weak spots was at centre-back and with San Jose there, he massively strengthens them. Massively. Um, Norwich have got four wins in five after beating Bristol City 3-1. Team Puki with a brace. Jacob Robinson is from Canary Cast. Jacob, there were some beautiful goals in here, weren't there?
0: Yeah, each goal was beautiful. It was very reminiscent of the um, the, the title season and, Everyone was just back to their best yesterday. Marco, sheepman Emi Buendia, even Plaheta played well. Um, his second start, and Timu Puki, of course, finishing his two chances. It was just Bristol City made it easy at times. They didn't. They didn't really press us in the in the key areas. But you know, when Marco and Emi are fully on it, they're, they're two of the best creative players in the league. And Timu Puki, we all know, when when he's got a chance, he'll finish it if he's full of confidence. Yeah, it was it was brilliant to see us back to our fluent best and hopefully continues on for the next few games.
1: Yeah, the thing we've been saying on the show recently is that even though Norwich were beaten in four prior to this game, they haven't been the most convincing performances. Would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, we've been saying that on our own pod ourselves, you know, the, the last minute winners have been great, but it's just not been clicking fully yet, which is brilliant to see, considering well, we've got 13 points from the last 15, we're, we're not even clicking at 100% yet, and we're still as well fourth in the league, so you're thinking, wow, when we do click, the, the, the league should be worried. Yeah. Yesterday, the performance was, was so much better, you could see the confidence coming back, I think we kind of forget how that Awful, awful run last season kind of uh, really derailed the confidence of the team, and that's what Daniel Farka's system needs. It needs confidence, player, confident players taking the ball in tight areas, playing the the difficult passes which could be intercepted. But you know what? When they do work, Timu Puka gets through and scores, like we saw with Stieperman's ball and Sorensen's ball yesterday. The confidence is getting there now, and I fear for for the teams coming up playing against us.
1: And Jacob Brendier, who you mentioned just a second ago, it seems like now the speculation around his future has gone. It seems like he is really starting to get going. How deadly could he be at this level?
0: Yeah, he is he was yesterday absolutely fantastic and by far the best creative player in the championship. There's no shadow of a doubt. He's, he's Premier League quality playing in the championship. The only thing he's missing is goals. And as you can see yesterday, his, the finish was brilliant. But he did miss one against earlier in the game, a hit down bent in the face, but he should still be scoring. That's all he's missing. He's quite flamboyant, so yeah, he does throw his arms up in the air and can get himself sent off. So that and not score enough goals is is the reason he's saying I, I still can't believe it. I think every Norwich fan is kind of praying to the gods of how on earth we've kept him because he is just so far too good for this level he doesn't really even have to try and he's still outperforming every single player on the pitch um in in answer to your question how could could he be wow we I, i would be expecting 15 to 20 assists and hopefully if he can get to 10 plus goals then he'll really be standing out in this side
1: Cheers, Jacob. That is Jacob from CanaryCast. in much more convincing performance from Daniel Farker's side. It was. They they looked so much better, and I think they exploited Bristol City a lot, which obviously we'll get onto
2: in a second. But, you know, there were key players here that really looked, more, well, not marginally, but much better. You know, Pukie was clinical, Steeperman was involved going forward at all times, and Buendia was a constant threat when he was moving with a lot of freedom throughout throughout um, Bristol City's half. It was a good performance from Norwich.
1: Yeah, Brentia's goal, that touch, touch is difference. filthy. It's disgusting. Um, but Bristol City, with no wins in five games now, one of the concerning things is how much they're leaking goals, Justin.
2: Yeah, and I've been really disappointed with their organisation at the back in recent weeks. Obviously, they've lost Mawson, which is a big blow. Mm. He's an experienced ball-playing defender. Um But they they seem so easy to slice open and the goals that they conceded to Norwich seem to exemplify that. I look back at a game against Swansea a few weeks ago where they drew 1-1 and uh, I think Jamal Lowe slipped in with such ease. uh, I think it was Taylor Moore, had no idea where he was, essentially. He managed to get in behind quite easily and that happened on countless occasions um, against Norwich. And, And as well as that, the midfield did not get a handle on Stieperman at all. Like Stieperman seemed to run the show you know, he, he seemed to be able to drop deep and um, be able to pick passes out and he slipped Puke in, I think it was his f- second or first goal it was a, it was a gorgeous pass um, but that's how easy it was for them and uh, going back to the defence, I'm not totally convinced by Taylor Moore they're going to have to play him at the moment but it might work for them going back to a 4 rather than a 3 um, but if they improve defensively they'll be fine but they've conceded 9 in the last 6 which is you know, quite a considerable amount compared to what it was in the first four games. But when you get so many yeah. ma- many injuries, you have to adjust because they're not even creating as many chances as they were in the first first group of games. As I said, big big improvement needed uh, from the Robins.
1: Yeah, but it was just three direct balls, wasn't it? That's exactly, undone them each time. Uh, Naki Wells's penalty pretty much summed up the afternoon. Went for a Penenka, <laughs> sent it right over the bar.
2: He's missed six of his nine penalties, so. Uh, first point, why is he taking the penalty? second point, why is he taking it taking it with such arrogance? I know he scored a similar one in the week, but what what on earth are you doing? Get your team back in the game just you wanna, you it expect it from
1: him you want to expect it from him either, would you because he's one of the best finishers in the league, so it's very clinical, why? he yeah. Yeah, why he struggles with penalties, no idea. But Bristol City have got Huddersfield in midweek before the seventh side derby at the weekend. Both teams out of form at the moment. <laughs> uh, let's have a break, Justin, and afterwards we'll have a chat about Huddersfield, Swansea and Middlesbrough before moving on to the news from the past week. It's a little known fact that when Justin and I record these shows, nine times out of ten, we're wearing a classic football shirt from years gone by. And where do we get them from? Classicfootballshirts.co.uk. In fact, as I record this, I'm wearing my PSG shirt with Thiago Silva on the back. Alternatively, I could have worn my Juventus shirt, Dortmund shirt, Blackburn shirt. I could go on. We're big fans of Classic Football Shirts here because they offer you Classic Football Shirts at a great price and it's not just shirts either. Oh no, dear listener. There's also training wear, tracksuits, shorts, socks, you name it and I can guarantee they'll have something for your club. So head on over to ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk or visit them in store in either London or Manchester. (laughs) Welcome back to the second tier podcast, Millwall nil, Huddersfield 3, another surprise result from this weekend. Matt Shaw is from the Huddersfield podcast and he takes that chance. Matt, another win
5: for Carlos Coburn. Hi, Ryan. Yeah, great. Fantastic. Um, Things are starting to really come together now under Carlos Corbran and and yesterday was probably the first time whereby we've won a game and you could really sit there and say, do you know what, we 100% deserve this game. The way that we played football and the way that we're picking our passes uh, and choosing the right time to attack uh, as opposed to just all flooding forward and leaving the back door open. There was more intelligence to our game yesterday and that was what was... Really pleasing to see, and uh, and long may it continue for sure.
1: Yeah, I remember when we were talking at the start of the season and you were saying Huddersfield were relegation candidates, but based on the results so far this season, that doesn't look to be the case, does it?
5: Yeah, there was a lot of pessimism around between Huddersfield fans at the start of the season really because we were just in the process of selling Steve Mounier and Carlin and Grant and at that time as well we mentioned that the, the plan seemed to be to hope that Carlos Corbran was was some kind of magician and, and to be fair so far he he looks like a, a real upgrade on what we've had uh, in the past and the job that Carlos Corbran is doing is, is phenomenal so far um, we, we've had a couple of players there over the last sort of several managers who've who've not really done anything you know I'm looking at sort of Isaac and Benzer Damadir Carby and a couple of others who have really struggled you know in their Huddersfield Town careers but he's come along and Isaac and Benzer in particular has really upped his game upped his levels and the performances that he's putting in now a are, are sort of night and day from previous and uh, Carlos is continuously getting the best out of those around him and and hopefully if we can add one or two clever additions in, in in january then then who knows and finally josh karoma got on the score sheet yesterday and he looks a fairly
1: decent player doesn't he he's got big shoes to fill in carl and grant i'm not saying he's going to fill those shoes but he's going some way to doing it isn't he
5: it's funny you should mention uh, josh Caroma actually on 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 our podcast we've we've started a little bit of a josh Caroma fan club and um, and previously i mentioned players who under past management hadn't really set the world alight, and are starting to do better. And Josh Caroma really is is sort of the flagship of that in many ways. He's he's come from Latin Orient where I understand he, he did very well, but it was a it was a big jump uh, coming from sort of non league football into the championship. And the, again, Carlos Corbrand's really shown faith in him, and he's repaying that tenfold. He's uh, I've got big hopes for Josh Caroma moving forward, and I think maybe in the next twelve or twelve to eighteen months under. Uh, this level of coaching that he's currently getting, we could really see a a breakout championship star uh, coming from Josh Coroma. I don't want to build him up too much, uh, but the feeling on the performances he's been putting in since pre-season, he he definitely looks like one to watch and and hopefully he'll be at Huddersfield Town for the next two or three years. Cheers,
1: Matt. That's Matt from and he takes that chance. Justin, how impressed have you been with Huddersfield so far this season?
2: Massively impressed. And I think this game exemplifies it um, you know Millwall for example they've kept 14 clean sheets in 2020 which is the best in Europe um, and as I say it was a quality performance the opening goal was brilliant 25 passes for the first goal um Josh Cromer again popping up in the right place and um, you know okay they lost two two games on the bounce um, before this game and you know I was slightly worried about them going from the Cowleys to, to Corbrand because you never really know how a how an assistant coach for example is going to you know, do, well, doing a in a full-time role as a, as a manager um, but he's taken to it really well the, the style of play has improved drastically um, he's getting a lot out of the players that you wouldn't have thought you could get out of this group of players but he seems to be going in the right direction and you think with a little bit of investment they could challenge higher up the table um, but I love what Corbrand is doing and he, as I said he's getting the best out of some forgotten players that, that were at the club
1: yeah, I raised my concerns about um, Huddersfield in midweek, and that was because of them going forwards. Um, but they've gone and scored three here against <laughs> one of the most defensively organised sides in the division. So, But a really disappointing performance from Millwall. In fairness, the scoreline might have flattered Huddersfield a bit. Uh, but Gary Roberts' side didn't create too much. And they seem to be missing Kenneth Zahor, who I think picked up an injury. Um it, amazing that he's only just coming to the team and they're already missing him uh, but Bartosz Bielkowski also had a bit of a mare <laughs> with the second goal where he palmed it up in the air and it just he just ended up lobbing himself really
2: just one point on Millwall it's worth yeah I'd say it's worth pointing out that their coaching staff had decimated <laughs> yeah so well, they're, they're uh, down to bare bones that end, so
1: you say that but they won in midweek didn't they so it, yeah. it didn't affect them too much then but um, I, I don't really know how much of an impact that really has because Gary Rout is still in charge of the side isn't he he's just doing it from a mobile phone <laughs> uh, but Swansea up to second after beating Blackburn at 2-0 Ben Cabango and Andre Ayew with the goals a comfortable win for Swansea
2: it was and they kept the, the league's well one of the league's most dangerous strikers out kept quiet you know they were very organised out of possession and they really they are starting to pick up form it's two wins two uh, and two clean sheets on the on the bounce after a bit of a stumble earlier in the month, and you know we said, I think the Swansea tide, and we said it before, they can quietly quietly go about it. You know they're not making necessarily big waves; they're just trotting along really really nicely. And you know Steve Cooper's really start. We're starting to see what we needed la well last season really.
1: Yeah, I think you're spot on. Um, We keep saying Swansea looks so good, and unlike some of the teams near the top, their performances have reflected their results. And I see no no reason why Swansea couldn't stay there. Because they're solid at the back, even without Joe Roden. And going forwards they're creating chances and putting them away, which is always going to happen as long as you've got someone like Andre Ao in your side. If he were to get injured, then I'd be a bit concerned because they've got loads of depth elsewhere in the squad. Um, not as much up front. Um but I think they can maintain their form if they do pick up injuries elsewhere. They were shown on Saturday because Matt Grimes was he's one of their best players and he was being given a rest and they still won. plus it helps when Steve Cooper is a great coach as well but I genuinely do think Swansea will finish at least in the playoffs this season but I would not rule out them going maybe even one further but from a Blackburn perspective their deadly attack was silenced by a sturdy Swansea defence. One win from six for them now, despite how exciting they've been this season and the side they've got. Next is the form team in the Championship at the moment, Justin. That's Middlesbrough, who continued their great run with a 1-0 win over Forest. Neil Warnock's boys continue to pump out those results. At what point, Justin, do we start talking about them as playoff contenders?
2: (laughs) It's, It's very hard to say because... They, I said it in the week they look completely different under Warnock um, I mentioned he's getting best at, the best out of players and one of the players I want to highlight is George Saville I thought he was brilliant um, mm. against Forrest his assist was, was lovely and he's becoming a bit more of an all-round midfielder cause before I thought it was a bit of a ball winner a bit untidy but again in the week he has showed good feet for the Jed Spence goal and again today with the assist really good ball in for Marvin Johnson um, but you know <laughs> No one, no one has put more more, more than one goal past Borough this season. They're defensively organised and they're starting to create more and more chances to put away. So, you know, that's a very good combination for a team looking to get high up the table. So when do we start talking about them being promotion contenders? Could be soon.
1: I'd say with a Warnock side, you can never really
5: rule it fact, out, can you? Yeah.
1: Um, it's still early on in the season, but they definitely want to keep an eye on, aren't they? If they manage, if they yeah. continue to maintain this form, then my God, they could be one hell of a force. Uh, but Forrest, things haven't really got going yet under Chris Hughton, have they? Just one win so far. For you, Justin, have there been signs that results are going to get better soon?
2: Yes and no. It's okay. it's am it, you know it's a bit of a mixed bag. You know it's quite easy to look at the squad and go there's too many players, but I think that is one of the things hindering Hughton for a new manager to come into a club. The, the the one thing you want is a fairly streamlined squad so you can start to pick out what your best side is, what your best squad is in Forest's instance. And I imagine it's quite hard when you've got four left backs on the on the books, when you've got um had 123 um centre defensive midfielders on the books as well. <laughs> um but the the areas that they are sort of lacking depth in is for example up front, they've got Taylor and Graben, who are very similar style strikers. And then you look in um, in centre attacking midfield, is there anybody? I don't think there is. Carvalho was the man there. They've got Freeman, haven't they? Yeah, well, they've got Freeman, but he's not really used Freeman. Um, Lolly and Amiobi have played there, and they're not necessarily that great there. But they need to start to pick up wins fast under Hewitt and otherwise this season is going to be a very expensive write-off.
1: I think the big worry for me is under the final days of Lamushi, they were creating chances, but not putting them away. In the last couple of games, they've not even really been creating chances. Mm-hmm. So it's something that Chris Hutton really needs to get a stranglehold on soon. Coventry and Wickham just before the international break. So a chance for improvement with those two games, you'd have thought. Uh, Luton nil, Brentford 3. Scoreline tells the story here. This is one of those games where Brentford were on fire, putting away their chances. And when they do that, they're a joy to watch, aren't they?
2: You do, They are. And you, as an opposition, when Brentford are in that mood, it's like, Ah oh, crap! You just go. You literally just go. You just sigh and go, crap. What are we doing here? Because you know the goals that they scored. Canos, um cutting it back. I know it was cleared out to Henry, but it was they sliced him open that easily. And you know when you know things are going with you. When even like David Rare, for example, his distribution was great because we saw him. He played in um, Brian and Buema at one point, just from a long kick. And when things are going that well for you. It's going to be a tough day, but Brentford were brilliant. Tony Tony made it 9-9, in for example. and Bueno his run for the second goal was quality. We're starting to see a little bit more of this Brentford team come out of their shell because they've stuttered again. Um, and you just need to get rid of that inconsistency that creeps into their form in the early stages of seasons that ultimately stops them from becoming an automatic promotion team.
1: The scary thing is their backup striker, Marcus Force, has got four goals this season. He's the fourth top scorer in the league, and he's not even started a game yet.
2: Yeah, his, his minutes per goal is 28, so... It's
1: unbelievable. It's very good. Uh, I mean, he, he was scoring goals for fun for Wimbledon last season, Monty, but never really got a look in for when he came back to Brentford last season. He got injured. Yeah, he did get injured, so that obviously doesn't help. But the fact that they've got two strikers who are red hot at the moment uh, obviously is a positive. Luton just one win in five for them. They've got Rotherham in, in midweek, which looks a massive game for both sides. Speaking of Rotherham, they lost one nil away at Stoke. The highlight of this game was Rotherham striker Freddie Ladapo, who dribbled past four players, was one on one with the goalkeeper, and slipped flat on his ass. <laughs> Stoke up to 8th with this win. Uh, Bournemouth won, Derby won. Bournemouth now the only side still unbeaten in the whole of the EFL. after Reading lost. And uh, from a Derby perspective, it was a good point. But their intentions have been turned by matters off the pitch, which we'll go on to shortly.
2: I just want to make a really important point about this game. It's something I need to get off my chest. Does Jason Tindall wear trackies with his shirt?
1: Oh, does he? Don't tell me he does. I was watching
2: it and... I was concentrating more on that than the game. Um it's something that needs to be looked into. I I'm certain he's wearing tracky bottoms. It, unless it, he's got very heavy zips on his on his Jason, trousers.
1: Jason that is shocking. I we'll have to investigate there. Uh, to see if that is the case but we'll uh, bring you an update in midweek listeners on this shocking scandal that's been unearthed Uh, now it's time for Who Knows Wins this is our league where you can win money from correctly predicting the results of championship games it's really easy to do all you need to do is download the Who Knows Wins app and join our leagues guess the most correct results out of the games in the championship and you could win some massive massive prizes the more people who get involved the bigger the prize so get your mates involved this week there was a jackpot of 100 pounds And there was a nine-way tie, meaning the prize was split between all of them, including our own, Justin Peach. Justin, how pleased are you? Making
2: a healthy profit. I'm very (laughs) (laughs) pleased.
1: The thing was, you only got four correct results out of ten, which just goes to show how crazy the championship was this weekend. Um, You seem to do better in the the weekend league while I do better in the midweek league. Which is an interesting quirk I've noticed. Mm. Uh, But we've got another midweek league again this week. Uh, Justin, so let's go through our predictions. Brentford versus Swansea.
2: I've gone with a Brentford win here.
1: I think this is a horrible game to try and predict. Mm. Uh, I've gone draw just because I really can't differentiate between the two sides. Huddersfield v Bristol City.
2: I've also gone with a Huddersfield win here.
1: I've gone Huddersfield. Cardiff Barnsley.
2: Uh, I've gone with a draw.
1: I've gone Cardiff. I'm keeping the faith. Uh, Forest v. Coventry. I've gone with a Forest win. I've gone with a Coventry win. I'm thinking Mm. they might be able to continue this run of form. Reading v. Preston. Uh, Reading. I've gone Preston. (laughs) Disagreeing a lot here, Justin. I I just think Preston's away form is too ridiculous to ignore. And uh, Watford versus Stoke. I've gone with a Stoke win. I fancy a Stoke win as well. So that's who knows wins. Make sure you join both our leagues to win some prizes, all from guessing the results of championship games. It's that simple. There's a link to both the midweek league and the weekend league in the description of this podcast. So make sure you join in now. Right, now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news. And despite the national lockdown announced on Saturday night, EFL competitions will be able to continue as scheduled. Good news, Justin. Huzzah.
2: Brilliant news. Going to keep me going through this next four weeks. Yeah, possibly.
1: I I think I'm exactly the same. Um, I I think it is important. it, It won't make much sense for games to be postponed, really, would it? Because there is loads of testing going on. So... What would what would be the excuse? It? Although it's not stopped, it's not stopped the government from making bizarre decisions in the past few weeks. So yeah. uh, there you go. I think also from a mental health perspective, since we're you know talking about Movember and what have you, I think it is important that you have got football going on just to maintain some sort of a normality for people. Uh, EFL chairman Rick Parry's warned the government fans will never forgive them if clubs go out of business. He's outlined the impact the ban on spectators is having on teams in the lower leagues in a letter to the culture secretary he says clubs feel victimized by the government over a lack of support and a ban on fans in grounds uh he also says efl clubs need at least 400 million from their owners to survive which is a lot of money isn't it justin it's pocket change ryan god it's pocket change for certain clubs near the top of the pyramid um but rotherham chairman tony stewart said this week that the furlough scheme ending will cause a lot of problems for clubs but that's now been extended so that's good news isn't it hmm Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, One club who might never have to worry about money ever again is Derby County because, according to multiple reports, they're close to being taken over by Sheikh Khaled bin Zayed El Nahyan. He's the businessman who nearly took over Newcastle not too long ago, and is also the cousin of Man City owner Sheikh Mansour. Uh, Sheikh Khaled is reportedly worth one hundred and eighteen billion, although this has been disputed. But it's there's no dispute over how much he's worth, whether it comes to it being a lot of money, because he's definitely worth a fair bob. We can say that. Uh, anyway, talks are said to be at a very advanced stage in Derby, or waiting for final approval from the EFL. As a Derby fan, Justin, you must be pretty excited.
2: I, I am pretty excited. Um, you know, Derby's, Derby needs investment. Mel Morris, I think, from a football perspective, isn't as well off as other football chairman um, are, and I think this is something that could push Derby into another league. But knowing Derby, we might get the tight
1: one, for example. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The the thing is, I've seen a lot of Derby fans saying that financial fair play at this level means you can't really spend too much anyway, um, which is a fair point. But if Derby were to get to the Premier League, then having someone who is worth £118 billion uh, is very helpful because that's when FFP doesn't really matter as much (laughs) and they might go crazy um, but it's a, an exciting time to be a Derby fan I imagine. Uh, the one question I've got is what does that mean for Philip Cocu? because I wonder if the new owner might come in look at the results and think well, I want to get to the Premier League straight away it's time for a change.
2: Yeah but who's who can come in and do a better job with that group of players obviously you're you assume that they're just going to splash the cash whenever a new owner comes in but I think Philip Cocker's the right man because I just think someone else coming in who's worked with younger players, who knows his crop of players as well as he does, I don't think you're going to get immediate success bringing in a new man. He's obviously, because he tried to buy Liverpool as well, um, Shay Khalid, and Steven Gerrard's been linked <laughs> already. Oh God. So he's clearly a Liverpool fan. Um,
1: getting pewless, I'd say. Uh, <laughs> Bristol City have had a terrible time with injuries this past week. Defender Alfie Mawson's had a knee operation and no timescale of all ten. 10- no time scale is available for when he'll return to action. Uh, Andy Weiman has suffered an ACL injury, so it looks like he'll miss the rest of the season. And defender Stephen Sessignon's got a hamstring problem. So, uh, we talked about it in midweek, Justin. It's terrible news from a Bristol City perspective after a special start to the season, isn't it? Um, QPR winger Bright says Samuel was left out of the squad in midweek reportedly after rejecting a new contract. Uh, another one we spoke about midweek, but he's now back in the side. So um seems like whatever's happened there has been resolved. Uh, funny transfer news time. Forest have lost their appeal to sign Kamel Grosicki after they sent off the paperwork 21 seconds after the deadline. Forrest were claiming it was still technically 5 o'clock, so the deal should stand, but that's been rejected. Grisicki will now return to the West Brom squad. Uh, Forrest not very happy with this, releasing a statement saying, we don't believe the EFL's decision was the product of the type of governance needed to enable the EFL to flourish and to provide the fans with a vibrant competition. Lads, just send the paperwork on time.
2: Yeah. Can you imagine, like, a university sending your essay in 21 seconds after the deadline it wouldn't be accepted like just get the work done beforehand like everybody else did don't send it after five o'clock because if it's after five o'clock it's after five o'clock
1: it's not like you've got three months to try and sort out these deals either Come on, guys. Uh, and finally, reports in Italy are linking former Brazil striker Alexandre Pato with a move to Birmingham. He's a free agent after leaving Sao Paulo in Brazil. Pato, to St. Andrews, you a fan?
2: I-, I would be a fan, but he's not really done anything since like, 2009. So what Pato are we getting?
1: Well, he's always had a tough time with injuries, has he? That seems yeah. to have re- been the thing that's really disrupted his career. But I was having a quick glance at how well rated he was as a youngster he was playing for the brazil national team at the age of 18 which is ridiculous to think about um i'm not sure how good he'd be now because he was just released from sao paulo and there hasn't been much interest in his services since um <laughs> but it'd be exciting to see him in the championship i'd give him that i'd go to the mls i imagine an mls side would fancy him I mean, he was in China not too long ago, and they didn't want him either, so (laughs) there you go. Right, let's do some polls justing. So, at the start of the show on our Twitter, we asked you three questions that we just wanted to get your thoughts on. Have a look on our Twitter, uh, at Second Tier Pod, each Sunday to get involved. So, the first question was, do Swansea have a realistic chance of automatic promotion this season? Yes or no? Just in which way are you going? I'm going yes. I'm also going yes, but our listeners are very split. 50-50, this was. They could not call it. Uh, Can Wickham stay up this season?
2: That's a tough one. Um, No.
1: I would say no as well. This one was a lot more straightforward. Our listeners agreed with us. 71% say Wickham cannot stay up this season. And who will win the election? Joe Biden, Donald Trump or Kanye West? Which one are you going for, Justin? Nobody wins that election. Everybody loses that election,
2: Um, but if I was hazard to
1: guess, I'd go Kanye West. Twenty two percent said Kanye West, um, which is, I imagine, much more than he's actually going to get in the actual election. Um, Joe Biden got forty four percent. Donald Trump got thirty four percent. So there you go. We've done. We've done the election already. Just cancel it now. It's sorted. Kanye gets twenty two. Right now, it's time for this.
3: Hi, Simon Grayson Edge.
1: So this is Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. Welcome back to the show Dan Fudge from the Wednesday Week podcast and Charlie Wise from the QPR YouTube channel. Talking Rangers. Boys, we've only had a, we've only had our second winner on this game last week. Dan, are you confident you'll be able to rally your teammates around to another victory? Let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. Yeah, I like that. I like the motivation. Uh, so I'm going to ask the chaps here to name eight of a certain subject. And all they've got to do is work together to name all eight. So, for example, if I were to, say, name the eight smallest stadiums in the championship and Justin would say Kenilworth Road, that's one down. And Charlie would say Dean Court, that's another down. But if Dan were to say Wembley, then he'd be out. So what you need to do, chaps, is give me all eight oh. answers without all of you being eliminated. Is that clear? OK. Yeah. Cool. So one thing that QPR and Wednesday have got in common is they've both got unique suffixes. They both have unique second names, Rangers and Wednesday in this case. Other examples would be Stanley as in Accrington Stanley. Uh, So since 2004, when the championship was rebranded, can you name me the eight unique suffixes that have been in the second tier? That's championship specific, by the way. So for example, if there was only one team called City in the Championship, then I would count that as a unique suffix in this case. So we'll start off with you, Justin. Can you name me a unique suffix in the Championship, please?
2: I'll dive in with my team, Derby County.
1: Yes, I thought that might trick you, but Derby County is correct (laughs) because Knox County and Stockport County haven't been in the Championship since 2004. Charlie, can you name me a unique suffix, please? By the way, this isn't including Wednesday or Rangers.
4: Isn't including. Okay, let's go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's go. Forest, Nottingham Forest.
1: Yes, Nottingham Forest is on there. Dan, can you name me a unique suffix, please? North End. North End is absolutely correct. Boys, you're flying. Justin, can you name me another one, please? This
2: is probably about the time we start to stutter. Um, yeah. Rovers, Blackburn Rovers.
1: Rovers is not on there because Doncaster have been in the championship in recent years. So Justin is out of the equation. Charlie, can you name me another one, please? Um, Wanderers. Wanderers is also not on there because Wiccan Wanderers are in there. Bolton Wanderers.
4: Oh, my God.
1: Oh, my God. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) This this has all gone downhill very quickly. Dan, it's all on your shoulders, mate.
3: I can think of two. But I okay. don't know if they've been in the championship. I've got a memory like a sieve in my old age. And I, I was going to go with either Port Vale or Crew Alexandra. And I don't know if either of those teams have been in the, have been in the championship.
1: Um, crew, let's go with Alexandra. Crew Alexandra is on there. They were in the championship 2005 <sighs> off top of my head, I think. So just in there. You've got four more to go. So good luck. danish you. <laughs>
3: Oh, it's me, isn't it? Yeah, we're both yeah. out. Oh, sorry. Yeah, let's
1: go with Port Vale then. Unfortunately, Port Vale is not correct. Oh, Port Vale have not been in the championships since 2004. That means, chaps, you've all lost to Sam and Grace. I thought you'd absolutely oh. fly through that, to be fair. Uh, the other ones you could have said were Aston Villa. Oh. Was,
4: was Leeds United Did that point that as well?
1: Yeah, no, I was going to go with United, but no, that just United. ridiculous. You've got Sheffield United as well, haven't you? Uh, Crystal Palace. Oh, God, shocking. Absolutely. Crystal Palace was another Palace, one. Palace, God's sake, yeah. MK Dons. MK Dons MK have been Don. in recently. And Plymouth Argyle, mm. are the other one.
3: Argyle. It's so weird how your mind goes blank. You know, yeah. if I'd have got an, an hour on that, I'd have, have given you
1: another 50. it's the pressure it's the pressure of Simon Grayson's hateful eight it gets to people it just destroys you anyway chaps you've fallen foul but don't worry, you're not the first to fall foul to Simon Grayson. Take for late this season. Uh, just before we wrap up the show, me and Justin are taking part in November this year. We're growing fantastic tashes, and you can keep track of our progress on Twitter over the next month or so. If you want to donate, we've got a, a link to our donation page in a, in the description of this episode. So please make sure you donate what you can. Otherwise, Charlie Wise from Talking Rangers, thank you for your time today.
4: No problem at all. Thanks for having me on, lads.
1: Dan Fudge from the Wednesday week. Thank you for your time today. My pleasure. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Thursday. I've been Ryan Dilkes. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening.